topic. This is week two of module five, leading with God. Uh, so what it's like to be a leader under his leadership. And, uh, and tonight is on ability, authority, and anointing. Just because they're three words that start with A, and I like alliteration. So um, there you go. They, no, they are also related to one another. So uh, part of what we want to do with Kingdom Life. It is about equipping leaders for kingdom impact. So we want uh, you to be having an impact in the world around you, wherever that might be. So it could be that you are leading a massive, you're the CEO of a big company, uh, or you're the parent of a small family, or you're an employee in a workplace. Wherever you are, you have the opportunity to lead and and impact the lives of others around you. Uh, Part of that journey is actually the acknowledgement that you are a leader and that you have a calling of God to lead people. And if you think, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I am a leader. No, no, you are. You can argue the point with, with God, but he's called you to, to lead others. So it might look different for you. It doesn't mean it's going to look like somebody else or have the same level of impact or the same number of people that are following you. But as you are a disciple of Jesus, you've been called to make disciples, which means you're in leadership of other disciples, those that you are helping to follow Jesus. So that's a basic. There's lots and lots of um, recognition scripturally that we are leaders. And so we should also be then going, well, if, if I am one, even though, though I might not feel like one, or I don't consider myself one, uh, I need to own that, that Jesus is calling me to be one, and then start to work towards what that looks like to improve in my leadership skills. The last thing I ever would have considered myself to be is a leader. So growing up, um, I mean, I was certainly a, a follower, but, uh, but even when I became a Christian around 16 years of age, uh, the last thing, I could barely hold a conversation with people socially super duper socially awkward would not you know people would I'm the I was the person who's like someone asked me a question they're super friendly as as Christians are can be and uh, I'd I'd be like oh good you know and I'd have like one word answers and just was really uh, I think probably at the time people might have thought I was really arrogant and rude but I was like I was just petrified of people and having conversations and so to then come and become who I am today is literally the last thing that I would have ever thought that I would be doing. Uh, You know, to stand up in front of people and to talk and to do that regularly and and confidently. Um, But again, if God says this is who you are and then you yield to his making of of you, then you will become uh, that which he has called you to be. So again, don't put limitations on yourself. Don't put limitations on your ability to impact the lives of other people. Um, because you can. So effective leadership in God's kingdom requires ability, it requires authority, and it requires anointing. Um, So looking at these different words, we take the first one of ability. So we all have natural abilities. We're all born with the ability to do certain things, and some people with greater abilities in certain areas. So you get some people who are more naturally creative or artistic, more some people who are more kind of sporty or, or athletic, some people who just seem to be more inclined towards kind of intellectual pursuits. And again, these are part of how we're wired, how we're formed. Some of that is, is social around us, what we're encouraged into. Um, but, you know, I know from with my three kids, 
Um, we've never tried to push them down a particular direction, uh, even in the homeschooling kind of environment that we have. It's really all about giving them opportunities to try a whole lot of different things and finding what they love uh, in those spaces. And again, our kids are just, they love different things, but they're totally their own personality. Um, some of them, you know, I would even say out of, I've got two, two boys and a girl. And I'd say Abigail is kind of the sportiest out of, out of all the kids. So, you know, my girl is certainly more, not that my kids are uncoordinated, but she's the most, you know, coordinated. I used to, you know, obviously had a boy first and then, a, then another boy, then a girl. And I used to always just want to be like kicking the footy or playing kick to kick. And the boys are always like, we want to do a game or do something like this. Whereas Abigail, like we'd go on daddy dates and we'd go to the park and I just, we'd spend 15, 20 minutes is kicking the ball back and forth. And I'm just, I just love doing that stuff. It's weird, maybe, but like I could, I could literally, I could throw a ball, a tennis ball, for hours with somebody and just talk to them on a tennis ball. And then she was the first one I was like, yeah, she would do that sort of stuff. But, you know, they're just different. They're, there are natural abilities that we have. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So there is this idea of skillfulness and developing our skills, our natural abilities. It's a good thing for us to be doing. Um, and again, some skills seem natural to people that were actually intentionally developed. So if you were to look at me, I'm not suggesting you think that I'm a good communicator, but if you were to, to, to look at me and go, wow, Brad, you can certainly communicate better than, than what I can, I want you to know I couldn't really couldn't like I was really bad I couldn't I couldn't hold a conversation with people that that was my level of of communication skills but again as as I've grew in confidence and then as I've just done it and that that skill and that ability has increased over a long time so again don't just look at someone and think oh well they're just naturally like that no there's a good chance that I've actually invested a lot of time and energy into developing those abilities to become so it becomes a more natural skill for them so we have natural abilities we all have them um, and uh, and that's one part of ability then we have holy spirit abilities so 1 corinthians 12 verses 1 to 11 this is where it talks about spiritual gifts you've probably read this section before when you read this passage the word gift isn't in there um there's a little theological side note for you. Um, but we, you know, we can often talk a lot about spiritual gifts. Um, and, but it it's kind of seems like God gives something to someone, then it belongs to them. Um, but really what Paul is saying, really what it's saying, when it, concerning the spiritual, kind of concerning, concerning the spiritual dimension and these things, um, he says, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts or graces. So that's the word charis, charisma. When we talk about the charismatic movement is the movement of the church that believes in the, the power gifts and the working of the Holy Spirit still today in the church. There are a variety of gifts or graces, but it's the same Spirit. So there are this variety of outworkings of the Holy Spirit through people's lives, but it is one Holy Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for their own ego and to inflate and boost their ministry profile. No, oh, no, sorry, that's not what it says. I must have been reading a a different translation. Uh, It says, for the common good. So again, when when the Holy Spirit graces us with something, the point of the outworking of that is that it would benefit other people. So again, the point of our leadership is that we would positively impact those around us, not that we would positively impact our own lives or positively impact our own position or our own promotion, but actually that we get to utilize that to bless other people. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, etc., etc. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So we also know when it comes to abilities, there are Holy Spirit-given abilities that different people have, and it can be at different times. Now, again, you might have a grace for physical healing in that when you pray for someone to be healed, when they have a physical ailment and you pray for them, more often than, than not, they get healed. So you might, there might be a, a, a grace, a Holy Spirit grace upon your life for healing. Now, does that mean you're the only person that can pray for people's healing? Well, not at all. Everyone has that opportunity, and at any time, the Holy Spirit can heal someone through you. But you might be have a particular grace or a particular gift for that. Or again, for, for wisdom, you might have just a wisdom and understanding that's beyond your years. You might have insight into things that you never studied. So it's not, again, you didn't go to university and study something, but you just have a wisdom from God. Again, it's, this, it's a gift or a grace from God. Now, can anybody have access to that same wisdom? Absolutely. But it could be in a moment that you're having a conversation with someone. I've had it lots of times, you know, especially like if I'm, if I'm counseling people, having conversations, and I say stuff, and I'm like, oh, that was really smart. And I've never thought that before. I didn't read that in a book. That must have been the Holy Spirit. Um, so I give him all the credit. But there are times when that happens. Like you just have a, like, it's like a, a download in a moment. And, uh, and that can be that gift from Holy Spirit. So understanding that we, we have access to all of the gifts of God. But you might kind of carry more of a, one of those graces uh, more often. All right. So here we are. We're going to write down some questions. And they will pop up on the screen at some time. I'll stay stationary so you don't lose it. All right. So write down some areas where you feel you are naturally skilled or where you have natural abilities. And as you're writing this down, you can write down a long list. Um, I don't want to see any false humility. Okay. If you have a natural ability, it's okay. It's not arrogant to acknowledge how God has created you, how God has wired you. Yeah? Amen? Amen. All right, everyone writing down? Do you need a pen or a paper? Or No, you're good? I'll give you a couple of minutes because some of you might have long lists. If you can't think of any, ask somebody who knows you well. If you have nothing on your list, okay, that's just because you're unaware because you absolutely have natural abilities and you might just need to ask someone, hey, what do you see in my life that is a natural ability? All good? All right. 
Now write down some areas of skill where you feel like you are lacking. All right, next one. What are some things that you could do to begin developing those areas that you feel are lacking? They might not be relevant, so you might say, well, I can't climb Mount Everest or I can't run a marathon. Probably not. I mean, it might not be required for you. <laughs> but things where you're like, oh, no, really, I, w- I would love to be better at that. It could be, it could be communicating or public speaking or something like that. It could be um, a personal pursuit of, of, a, you know, of learning something, growing in your intimacy with God, whatever it might be. But it's those things that you'd say, yeah, where, where, what could I start to do that would help to develop those things? So here's one where you might not think about, but what are some things that you could do to increase your abilities in the areas where you are naturally skilled? So again, sometimes we can look at, well, here's where I'm, I have natural ability, but then I just kind of rest on my laurels in that area and they go, well, I could actually increase and improve my skills in that area to be excellent rather than just average. Who's finding it easy to come up with stuff? Who's finding it hard? Yeah. <laughs> There's no pass and fail. But it might be something in you can discuss with others. You know, I think it's something in the culture of the church where we've been so aware to not be proud and and to be humble and to do that that we really talk ourselves down. And it's also Aussie culture, you know, that tall poppy syndrome, which is not kingdom culture. Um, I think as the Apostle Paul talks about, it's like have have a have a correct measure of yourself. If you have skills in a particular area, then acknowledge, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. Doesn't mean I'm the amazing or the best or perfect. Uh, and I know where I'm, I'm not good at things. But we should be, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the ones that are building one another up and, and calling the gold out of people and, and really pushing people to excel. Um, it is not your job to keep other people humble. Um, it's actually our own personal responsibility to do that. Uh, and again, some people, it's like they struggle to receive affirmation. If you struggle to receive affirmation from other people, um, there's something that needs to be uh, healed, I would say, more than likely in your heart because you can't receive affirmation and yet you are created by God to receive affirmation. Like it's a good, it's a good thing to be able to do that and healthily receive that input and encouragement from other people. But I know some people that are like, oh, they, they kind of can't handle it or it doesn't find a, a landing spot in their heart um, or it makes them super uncomfortable uh, or they want to shy away rather than going, oh, thanks, like I really appreciate that. So we want to, if, if you don't have a, if you can't receive compliments well, I'd encourage you to do a journey with Holy Spirit and with others to say, oh, I wonder, wonder why that is because God is wanting to speak words of affirmation and life over you. Um, but if there's not a landing space, we call it a shelf. If you don't have a shelf in your heart where those trophies of affirmation can sit, um, then actually you, you can go through life 
discounting yourself, discounting your abilities, discounting the calling of God on your life, then you never do all of the great things that God has for you. So, and that can lead us to be unfaithful to God because we're not being obedient to what he's called us to do. Oh, no, well, I could never do that. But if God says, but that's what I've got for you to do, if God says, this is what I want you to do, then it means he's provided everything for you to be able to do it. Um, but oftentimes we get in the way of the destiny of God. Anyway, side note for you. Final question. How do or how might these natural abilities be used to bring the reality of God's kingdom into the world around you? This might be like a takeaway, ponder type one. But again, to acknowledge God's given me natural abilities, but how am I utilizing those to be a blessing to other people? Anyone get a couple of things down? So this is Kingdom Leadership 101. Is a healthy self-assessment to say, who has God created me to be? How has he gifted me? And how does he want me to use those gifts to impact the world around me? If you haven't been told before, that's kind of one of the big points of your life, your existence here, is to positively impact the world around you with the character of Christ and the message of Christ and the culture of, of king, the kingdom of God. So, Cool? All right, keep, keep writing down more after this, um, after tonight. So the second part, so we have ability. So acknowledging that we have natural abilities, God-given abilities, and then there is this question of authority. So Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Again, that really encompasses the intention of our lives from your point of salvation, of, of meeting Jesus for the rest of your life, is to go and multiply that reality of Jesus, of the culture of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth, that's our job to go and outwork that. So if all authority has been given to Jesus and we go under his authority, there is an authority that we have to make disciples. But there's different authority kind of dimensions in the world that we also have. So there again is a natural authority and a spiritual authority. So your natural authority is where you've been given responsibilities or you have responsibilities in your life. Um, that are in that kind of natural relational sphere. So if you are a husband, you have a, a natural authority to lead your, your wife or your family if you're, you know, or a parent. If you're uh, an employee in a workplace and you have uh, employees under, under you, you have a sphere of authority to impact those people. Uh, if you're you know, uh, a teacher in a school, you have authority to impact those students. So it could be small, it could be large, it could be large in some areas and small in other areas, but you have a responsibility where you can enact change and you can impact the culture, you can impact people's lives because there is a, a sense of, uh, of authority that you carry in that place. Does that make sense? So this would be a natural sphere of influence. So again, if you consider... Um, my home, where I live, 
my, my relational dynamic there within my friendship group. And again, in, in friendships, we, have, we, should be, we should understand we have an authority to impact one another. Sometimes we feel and we, we draw back in relationship, in friendship, but, but we actually should know that the fact that we're friends means I have an authority to speak into your life things that you might not want to hear sometimes. But that's what friendship looks like, is that we love one another enough to say hard words sometimes, you know, um, that, that we don't necessarily want to hear. But that's what love looks like, is to, to bring correction and also to bring positive words. It's not always negative, um, but sometimes we don't recognize, yeah, cool, there's a, there's a shared authority that we invite in that kind of relationship. So we have a natural authority, a natural sphere of influence in our life. Yeah? Yes? Give me any feedback is welcome here. Um, and then we also can have a spiritual authority, so a sphere that God has given us to impact and steward. So this can be, um, it might be, it probably often comes more prophetically to us, could be given in a prophetic word where God says, and, and I'm going to raise you up to impact this a, a people group or uh, a particular sphere, maybe in business, that you might have an authority to, uh, to impact other business leaders. It could be in a, in a ministry context. So prophetic words that I've been given is about being a spiritual father. And so I'm like, okay, God, you've, you've given me this authority or you're raising me into that place. So I need to, to recognize that means that I have doors will open for me that might not open for somebody else. I still have to steward myself. doesn't mean I can just go and like kick the door open and like, hey, I'm here. Your spiritual father is here. Come, gather around, children. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, but, but acknowledging, it's like, well, God, God said that. God, you have, so you, there is a, a spiritual authority. It could be, you know, for our church, I remember when God spoke to me and he said, you need to take on a regional mandate is the words that God said. Immediately after I received that word, the next week, this is when we used to meet in Quinana, all of a sudden, people, visitors from Mandra started rocking up on Sundays. And we rarely had visitors. We were a very little community, like 20 people. And like we didn't have signs out and all that sort of stuff. We just weren't very good at self-promotion. Then um, these people start coming. So it's like, okay, God, you're talking about this region of kind of rocking, uh, Quinana, Rockingham, Mandra. And so then we started saying, well, God's given us authority to spiritually steward this region. And so we, we did. And, and we started, you know, when we would start to pray, then God would give us intercession assignments that we would take on and was just all this amazing breakthrough and, I mean, and bigger than what probably we would even know about. Um, I could tell you lots of stories about all of that sort of stuff, but, but we recognize, uh, cool, God's given us spiritual authority to steward the spiritual atmosphere of this region. So we, we take intercession really seriously and it's an important part of and, and thing that we do. Before you arrived tonight, there was intercession happening in this room. Um, and people taking responsibility for that and saying, hey, so it doesn't mean, again, when we talk about authority, it's not for you to um, control things or to say, well, I'm the, I'm the boss now, I have authority. It's, no, I have access to utilize the, the presence and power and authority of Jesus to bring a positive impact for him, for his glory and for the benefit of other people. Okay, that's what it means to exercise God's authority. All right, so I want you to write down what are some of the natural spheres that you have authority over? So this is areas of responsibility that you might have. 
Doesn't mean you're being responsible in them. I'm just saying you, areas where you should be responsible. <clears throat> um, well, I'm supposed to be responsible for the washing. That doesn't happen. Um, not, not talking about that. So talking about, you know, not just what you do. Uh, areas of favor. So people who look to you for leadership. So again, think in those realms of family, workplace, relationships. So that was the natural spheres. What spiritual spheres has God given me authority over? You might not be able to think of any. I think in the same way that you might have responsibility in a family, then you have a spiritual responsibility that you can pray for your family. I think if you're the only Christian in your workplace, it's understanding, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the only ambassador for the kingdom of God that exists in this place. So how am I exercising spiritual authority to pray for my work colleagues, to pray for the atmosphere? You might be the only Christian that lives on your street. And you say, well, cool. Well, I have, because I'm positioned here, I have a spiritual authority to 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 pray blessing over my neighbors. But I think the more that we understand that we have a responsibility, which means we have an ability to respond, but we can carry that and go, or we might need to actually say, I'm going to take responsibility for my neighborhood. Maybe we haven't carried that responsibility. And a final question for this section, how am I stewarding the responsibilities that God has given me to walk in my authority? So what am I doing to actually exercise authority in those areas? Anyone feel like they're recognizing things that they haven't acknowledged before? No, everyone knows it all. Good, I'll move on. Yeah, it's my fault. Anyone have a sense of like, oh, wow, I haven't been thinking about where I actually have authority or have responsibility or have abilities. Has anyone, has this been helpful? Thank you, Carl. Okay, good. I'm just checking. Because if I'm, if I'm being misunderstood, um, you're welcome to let me know. Because my, my desire is that you would understand, not that I would just say words. Cool. So again, keep jotting stuff down, even if you think of stuff as I'm speaking. And the third part, so it's ability, understanding we have natural abilities, it's understanding that God has given us authority to exercise um, the outworking of his kingdom in those different places. And then we have anointing. So Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me for a particular task. So God has anointed Jesus and because of his anointing, then the Holy Spirit has come upon him to empower him to do that. Uh, it's, I think it's really important. You know, when Jesus is baptized 
and the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him like a dove, it's at that moment that he is then empowered to go and fulfill the ministry that, that the Father had for him. Up until that point, he'd just been a faithful, a good son, a good brother, um, a good lover of God, but he hadn't stepped in. You know, he made some good tables, I'm sure, and chairs. Uh, I'm sure he would have been mighty fine carpenter. Um, but now the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He fulfills this scripture from Isaiah, and he says, now I'm actually going to go about and do those particular things. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all, the, all of those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So what is the anointing? What does it mean to be anointed or to be under the anointing? So anoint essentially means to smear something with oil. So that's essentially in the natural what that word means. So it has different uses in the Bible. So sometimes it was used for ceremonial cleansing, uh, for healing, for protection. There's that New Testament scripture that talks about, you know, if you're sick, go to the elders, have them anoint you and pray for you that you might be healed. So there's different kind of processes. But there is also a ministry outworking dimension of the anointing. So it's where the Holy Spirit empowers someone to accomplish the plans and purposes of God over their lives. So this is where kind of the supernatural of God meets our natural and empowers us to go beyond what we could do on our own. So the anointing is symbolic of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So again, to be kingdom leaders, we don't just want to be people who are naturally gifted in things and developing our skills. We should be doing that. So we don't just want to rely, oh, well, I'll, I'll be, I'm not going to learn anything new. I'm not going to practice and develop any skills. I'm just going to rely that God will show up and, and make things happen. I think that's just laziness. Uh, it's not good stewardship of your life and your abilities. Uh, and at the same time, we don't want to get so good at doing something that we don't need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do it. Okay, I think both ends of that spectrum are bad and unhealthy places to be. So there's something to say, well, I know God's given me skills. I'm going to intentionally pursue the development of, the, of my natural abilities. I'm going to intentionally pursue the development of those Holy Spirit gifts or graces on my life. I'm going to recognize those areas that I have authority in the natural. And then there's another level where God has given me authority spiritually and I'm going to exercise and walk in that authority. But I know that I need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the fullness of what God has for me. So I live then dependent upon the power of God to do those things. That's one of the issues, a, a very much a dangerous thing in our journey with God is the more competent we become, the less dependent we become. And this is something that I think if we look at you know, the, the Western church, uh, I think in many areas has become very competent at doing Christian things and presenting church or Christianity in a particular way. Um, but the danger is that was spoken about in the New Testament is that uh, the church takes on a form of godliness but denies its power. <laughs> It's this kind of veil of God, of the presence of God, and yet lacks the actual presence of God. Um, so we don't want to fall into that space. Amen? But it's tricky. Because the better you get at something, naturally the less dependent you become. 
So what you need to do is keep pushing yourself to go beyond that which you are able, to get out of your comfort zone, to go beyond what you know you're capable of doing and into the capability of Christ. So how can we access this anointing? Well, it's something we receive from the Holy Spirit. It can come upon you at particular times. You may have heard, and the word anointing is used in charismatic kind of circles a lot, not necessarily biblically accurately, um, but someone might say, I just feel the, you know, an anointing for healing. And essentially, they're, they're sensing the Holy Spirit, and they might sense him in a way that's like that, that God wants to heal people. But, but there's also a sense, not just like, well, I know God wants to heal people. He always does. But there's a, like the Holy Spirit is present to do that particular thing in that moment. So for me, I'll feel sometimes where the Holy Spirit wants to bring breakthrough. And uh, you might find this weird, but my stomach muscles tense up tight. Okay. This is what happens. And that's, it's, that's like Holy Spirit's sign of saying, you need to pray for breakthrough in this particular space. It's like, cool, stomach crunches, breakthrough time. Um, so yeah, I just pray for breakthrough all the time. Then I don't have to go to the gym. It's great. So um, yeah, it's, you're like, it's not working. I know, it's, a, it's all good. Um, so, so there's something of, of where the Holy Spirit will come upon you in a particular time, or you can just be walking in that anointing, like it's a constancy of the Holy Spirit dwelling upon you to, to accomplish a particular task or to exercise a particular gift of God. So if you think of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, we know that ability comes from the Father. So as we're knit together in our mother's womb, it's the Father that is creating us and, and creating our destiny. So ability comes from the Father. Authority comes from Jesus. So Jesus is the one who gives us authority. And anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. So we even love that ability, authority, anointing. It's like it's the immersion of the Trinity. This is what baptism in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit looks like. It means to be immersed in the nature of the Godhead. But we understand that to be kingdom leaders, that we're, we're recognizing this is what the Father has formed in me. This is what Jesus called me to do. And as I go and step out and do that, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to accomplish those things. Amen? Authority takes you beyond your borders, but anointing takes you beyond your abilities. So where you think, I'm only, I'm only able to do these things, that's, that's great to acknowledge that. And then that's the point where you say, so Holy Spirit, now I need you. The prophetic words that I've received over my life, I know I could not accomplish them in my own energy, in my own strength. And I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I know you're big enough to do it. So I'm going to trust that you will bring it about in your timing because it's for your glory and for the benefit of others. It's not something, it's not mine, it's not for me. Um, God just chooses to use us as his vessels. He loves his vessels, but he will use you if you make yourself available. Um, but we need to understand that to, to be kingdom leaders, that God will call us to have a greater impact than your capacity, than your ability, than your understanding will be able to carry. And that is the God dimension. That's the Holy Spirit factor in our lives. Amen? Awesome. Why don't, this is, I'll just add a bonus question. Um, what areas, if you, if you know them, do you feel like the Holy Spirit has anointed you or regularly you feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit for a particular task or in a particular moment? Cool. Does anyone have any questions about anything that I've shared? Or comments? Why? 
sorry, I, don't, I didn't mean to be challenging. Yeah, All right, that's why we're here. Hopefully, we're here to be challenged. That's good. I, I don't mean, you know, you know, like it's it's just we want to be stretched beyond, you know, where we think and the boundaries that we've set. I think we're here to learn and we're we're here to grow. So it's good. Yeah, I'll give you a. Because we're recording, it's just helpful for others. Reporting from Channel 7. Yeah. Um, I just have a question in regards to, obviously, you said that you have natural giftings and spiritual gifts, in, and it says, you know, that the calling of God is without repentance, mm-hmm. and that uh, he who has begun a good work in you shall also bring it to completion. So, so far as how much is God willing to kind of overstep to draw you back into line not of a step, you know what I mean? Insofar as, look, I have a calling on your life. This is what I called you for. And, uh, I'm, you know, it is my word to bring it to completion in your life. So you can be stubborn about it. You can try and run off and so on. But this is what I've called you to be. So how does that work insofar as, you know, how much unison or symphony do we have to be in with God? for him to be able to fulfill that in our life, mm-hmm. even through our failings, even through our weaknesses? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the journey to get to where God wants us to be, so again, what we're talking about is acknowledging those things. The pathway of fulfillment is, um, is the journey with God. And I don't think it's necessarily meant to be easy or is going to be easy for anyone. Um, so I think it's, it's allowing God to take you through the process as well. So there's, a, there's what can I do to help bring about that change? Sometimes what can I do to develop my ability or to, to grow in a particular area is, is to do nothing and let God do a particular work. So I know for me, I received this prophetic word about being a father to the nation and many nations. And I receive it from a whole lot of different prophets, like well-known, respected prophets. So I'm like, cool. Um, I had, I went looking for spiritual fathers to help me to become a spiritual father, and I couldn't find any. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just have to f- figure it out on, on the journey somehow uh, on my own. Uh, and then I remember I went through a time, it was about a month of intense anxiety that I went through, and I felt like God says, I've just lifted off lifted my hand off your life in a way of just uncovering my inner world because he wanted to, to develop fathering in me. So he's like, I don't want you to learn how to be a father. So I could do that. Okay, I need to go get a whole lot of books on spiritual fathering and study how to be a really good spiritual father. God was like, I'm going to form it in you. So I'm going to take out that which would get in, its, in the way and I'm going to put into you that which you need in order to become that thing that I've called you to be. Um, I don't know what the anxiety was all about, but it was, it was crippling for me. Really, really intense. But it was almost like I was just exposed in some, in some weird kind of way. And so I learned, and I'm not saying that's everyone's process, but that was my process in that particular time for God to do a great work in me. Um, and then I've intentionally pursued prayer ministry. I've intentionally pursued any healing, anything that comes up, any bad fruit, then I'll go and get those things dealt with. So again, that's the path and the journey. 14 years into planting this church, probably again 13 years since receiving those prophetic words, 
I'm not a father to the nation of many nations yet. Um, so there's, there's a waiting kind of aspect to that as well. I've got, God never said, and this is when I'll do it. It'll be, you know, this year at this time and, and, you know, you'll be in this setting. It's just God's like, this is your destiny. So I'm like, cool, I'll, I'm faithful to, to walk that out. And what I do is I steward the sphere of authority that God has given me. So right now, it's this community called Paradox Church that I'm like, I'm going to be a good spiritual father to this people. As God opens up more doors for relationships, then I'm like, I, I position myself to then be a, a good spiritual father in that space to the best of my abilities. So I think there's, um, because we look like, oh, I think I've taken a detour or I think I've, you know, I'm going backwards in this place. I think we need to trust God in that, that his desire is to bring us into that space that and that fulfillment how we get there the journey that we go on I think is really tricky and I think the reason God gives us prophetic words is because there's a good chance that our life won't look like that for a while or for a season so we hold on to that word otherwise God would just do it and we wouldn't need to know but he's like hey this is this is what I'm going to do with you this is where I'm going to take you this is who I'm going to make you to be and it's like cool so that's the promise that I hold on to even though I feel like it's not going in that direction I think you can obviously rebel against God we have that freedom to do that we have the freedom to to mess up our lives completely and derail the plans and purposes of God um, but yeah so it's it's a matter of us kind of partnering with him and being yielded to his process and his way of doing it which isn't always it doesn't necessarily always look like promotion to promotion to promotion and increase. Sometimes it's actually in the valley, it's in the lack, it's in the wilderness that God does the greatest amount of work. But without, if we look, looked at it through natural eyes, we'd be like, it feels like everything's going really, really bad. And yet it's the goodness of God working right in the midst of that's the only way. Like for me, I'm, I'm heart struggling to get out of bed, <laughs> you know, and with this anxiety and yet, God's telling me I'm doing a good work in you, so I'm like, well, hurry up. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, just even along that line as well, you you were saying that when doors open and stuff, but there would, you've also got to be aware of the doors that you aren't going to want to take. Is, yep. is, so you're just sort of stewarding what you are working where about you going and what you feel that... Because the enemy could open a lot of doors for you if you were not planning the right way. Yeah. So. Opportunities can be endless. Um, I, I love... It's Bill Johnson that says, um, just because God opens a door doesn't mean he wants you to walk through it. Um, so sometimes it's, it's acknowledging that, hey, yeah, well, I've got all... The, I've got three opportunities and the Lord says, but this is... I want you to take one. It's like, but that one's easier... That one's more financially stable. <laughs> like you've got options. Like to, to know what you're giving up sometimes makes the, the cost even sweeter in some ways. You can, it can make you more bitter. But when you know like you're being obedient to the Lord and it's like and it's cost. And I, and I, know, I know for me I could be far more financially well off. I'm a qualified electrician. I've, I've got natural skills and creativity and abilities that I could go and make good money. You're in the same position. <laughs> you could go and make a lot more money, but you like to fulfill the calling of God is is to be here on this land and doing what you do. But then there's a fulfillment to say, but I know I'm in that place of with God, and you can't you can't put a, a price on on that. So, but absolutely, yeah, it's it's knowing well. 
there's an opportunity this way, but God's, I know the word of God on my life, the purposes of God are going this way. So um, thank you, bless you, open door, but I'm staying with God. So that's good. Um, I have walked in ability for years, and there was a time when God actually took away the ability um, for a season of about two years. And then he gave it back slowly. Um, and it was like I was then walking in authority in the ability that he's given me. How do we actually know if it's something that he's anointed us in? Or, um, like, I believe God will say, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. Um, is that what you would call more anointing or... Yeah, um, I think the sense of the anointing of God is is the more we become familiar with the presence of God, the more we can recognize when he is present to empower us to do something particular. And again, it doesn't mean it's constantly and all the time. Um, and again, I think sometimes we can, we can, our identity can get tied to our abilities and that can be in, in an unhealthy way and sometimes God will take that away for a season or he'll confront us about that and we'll say, okay, I'm going to lay that thing down. Because he wants to do a work to separate us from that sense of identity, which is idolatry and, and all of those unhealthy things, to bring healing and breakthrough. Then he leads us straight back into that place. Um, and this is where the fruit is very different in the second time round. But it's like I'm doing the same things and then we live in that space. Oh, am I going to fall back into doing, you know, under my own power and my own ability and all of those things? But we need to trust if we let God take us through that journey of separating us from it, our identity from that, finding our identity in Christ. But again, I think when it comes back into utilizing our natural ability or, or those gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's also about leaning into his anointing and saying, Holy Spirit, I, I want more. I want to I see you at work. I want to. So, in that moment, even when we're exercising our natural ability, that we're listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit to lead us greater. So, again, I think for me, it's been a journey, even where I developed a skill to be able to communicate, you know, for a decent amount of time and to string sentences together in some sort of coherent manner at times. Um, but even in that space, the unfamiliar and the scary place was to lean into the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because I know I can show up and communicate things well. Um, but if I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to show up, well, that's really scary because <laughs> what if he doesn't show up or, you know, what if he doesn't move in the way that I would want him to or all of that sort of thing. So we're also stepping into a space of dependency that I'm going to go beyond my natural ability of what I, where I know I can accomplish and I'm going to trust Holy Spirit that you're going to fill in that extra kind of part of it. So I think it's a journey of familiarity with God um, that where we start to see the anointing of God flow. But again, you can have natural abilities. You might have a natural ability as an artist, and it's not a space where God wants to utilize that for the kingdom. You know, uh, I'm, I tend to be more of like the jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Like I'm not super passionate about anything. I'm just mildly passionate about lots of things. Um, I remember when uh, a guy, Paul Manwaring, did a... a little conference and he talked about that and it was so revolutionary to me because I would look at people who just they just hone in on something and they're just super passionate about that 
you know, they just all of their energy, all of their focus, and they become really, really skilled at something. And I'm like, I just don't have the energy and the intention to do one thing for, you know, for so, for that amount of time. Like, because I just move on. I'm, I'm like this now. I'm, I enjoy this. But when he explained that to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of like just a bit passionate about lots of things. I mean, I'm passionate about the kingdom and, and, and God-related stuff, but but it could be like I'm, 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 I like tech stuff, so I'm running around doing tech stuff today, and I love, but I love seeing people have breakthrough, and I love developing new things, and I love, like, I, I just love lots and lots of things, um, but it's not that God wants to anoint me in all of those areas either. So I'm saying I enjoy figuring out tech stuff and the creative side. Doesn't mean I'm anointed, praise the Lord, you know, to, to do those sorts of things. Like, I'm just not... Things so, but I know so. It's also honing in what parts in your natural ability is God saying, but I'm putting my hand upon this particular area to, to bring that increase. So. Do you then think that there's different seasons for different anointings to be walked out? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, with ability, I can clearly see everybody has abilities, whether they're using them or not. Mm-hmm. Anointing, you can have whether you're using it or not. But authority, um, I can see that there's times where the authority over us can hinder our use of the authority. And wanted to hear what your thoughts on that were. Yeah. So if we're under ungodly authority or... Yeah, yeah. so how do we honour God whilst also honouring the authority that God has put us under? I think is a very tricky one. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you can honour without... Yeah, I think it's our f- highest priority of honour is, is honouring the Lord and honouring what he says. So if he says, calls us to do something, we can still do that in an honourable way whilst not necessarily coming under that construct of someone else's perspective on something. I think if you were, again, yeah, you could take in a church kind of leadership environment where maybe there's not a freedom of the Holy Spirit and yet you feel like, but, but Holy Spirit's leading me to, to do this. I think, again, you can do that in an honourable way. But I think if someone was to say, no, no, the Holy Spirit's not welcome here in this church, then you'd have to ask questions as to, okay, so I'm not sure that this is the right place for me to be because I'm not sure that that would be godly. That's not godly leadership, and so it's not the right uh, place to be. I think, like, in a, in a marriage covenant environment, I mean, particularly for people who might have become Christians later on and maybe only one partner is, is, uh, is a Christian, um, again, I think there can be honour in that space. Um, so if you're a wife, you know, being a good wife, loving wife, honourable wife, um, but also acknowledging that God is, is my highest priority... Um, I see sometimes in families and extended families where um, almost they will downplay their commitment to Christ or their commitment to his church in order because they don't want them to feel like God's more important than them. Uh, and for me, I'm like, I don't know why anyone would choose to follow a God who's less important than I am. Like if I'm the non-Christian, why would I, why would I give any acknowledgement to the God that you follow when seemingly I'm more important than then you're God. 
I would be in the position to say, you need to understand how central God is to everything in my life. And I can't, I can't escape that reality. And I'm committed to him. And I want that to be a picture that says, that draws to say, wow, you're so committed to your God. Like, I think if you take even extreme kind of religious groups, you would say, they're really passionate about their God. Seemingly far more than a lot of Christians are. They're like, ah, you know, Jesus is good. It's like there's that level of acknowledgement. And then you would say, and like I hear stories of people who they look at that and they say, so they look at Christianity culturally and they look at Islam culturally and they say, I feel like as a man, like, like it feels like Islam's a bit more of like a, like they're just real about, they're serious about it. And you don't talk about their God badly because they'll, you know, they'll, do nasty things to you. Like they, they take it really seriously. And we've got this kind of like, ah, you know, kind of whatever vibe. And it, to me, it just doesn't, it doesn't give that sense of, of the significance of what you're following. Clearly, I'm not saying Islam is, you know, but, but we've, so, we've, we've tried to make Jesus so accessible, um, which he clearly wasn't in Scripture. Like Jesus was not seeker-sensitive scripturally. He, the, the, the pathway is narrow. The, you know, the eye of the needle. You want to go bury your father, you're not fit to be my disciple. Nobody goes to set out to build a house without counting the cost of all that sort of stuff. You think, you know, and then the early church was very much closed off, exclusive. Like you had to, you know, show your ID at the door type thing to get into any sort of church gathering. Like it's, it's a lot more intense. I know I'm probably going off on a, <laughs> on a tangent here, but, um, but so I think it's to, to acknowledge the seriousness of that is, I think is important to acknowledge who God is and how important he is. Um, but I don't know if that would justify doing things that would break covenant. Um, but yeah, I think that's where, like for me, when I counsel young adults about marriage, I'm like, find someone who loves Jesus because what you love about them will, will dissipate. And the hope is you will always love Jesus but you might not always love your spouse in the same to the same degree, uh, and then when that starts to divide, it becomes a, a really difficult issue. So, without probably without speaking into, I think every scenario is different. Like how you would operate with your boss. I think again, if God's like, I've positioned you there to honor that person, and as long as there's not an expectation that you would walk in, have to walk in ungodliness, but that you would be a light in that space, you know. And there's stories, obviously, Old Testament stories that we see people who are under ungodly kings, and it's actually their commitment to God and not bowing, but also not dishonoring that led them to, to having breakthrough. Um, but again, it might be, man, I'm in, a, I'm in a really ungodly environment and I don't feel like there's a grace for me to be here. And it's, it was finances for a while, but that season has ended and, and it's actually God wanting me to move on. Um, so again, yeah, without the kind of individual nuanced aspect of it. But I think certainly not to lay down our convictions and say, okay, well, out of honor, I'll, I'll actually lay down the core of my convictions that I don't think is, uh, is healthy. So good questions. How do you know where God's given you authority? Mm-hmm. Just like look, looking at the different areas he could give you authority and how do you know he's given you authority in that area? Yep. Um, sometimes it's because of the favour that you receive back. So if it's in, in terms of uh, with people, it might be a, a group of people or a, a network of people that when there's favour, so people are coming to you and they're drawing from you and you sense, okay, I've, it's 
when it comes to people, people can only um, submit to authority. And so when you increase in favor, like someone's coming and saying, so for me, I have authority in this church as, as the person that God has called to, to, to lead this community. I need to exercise that authority in a godly manner. But people choose to submit to my authority, in a sense, because they're like, oh, cool, I, I choose to be part of this community and, uh, and I choose to, to go in the direction that we're going corporately. And, and again, it's not like, it's not blind submission or anything like that, but it's just an acknowledgement that God creates order and he, and he puts things in place and authority structures and, and it's each individual person's responsibility to do that. But as people then say, so it's like people come to you and start wanting to draw from you and then it's like, cool, I have an opportunity to exercise authority over this person. And I know this sounds really... But that's what it is. So then it's a stewardship and a responsibility like to bless your life and to pour into your life and to, to, to point out when I feel like you're going in a, in a, in a wayward direction. Um, discipleship, as Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, is a direct response to the authority of all authority belonging to Jesus. So if I invite someone into, or someone says, hey, I want to be your disciple. It's like, cool. Well, my expectation is you're going to follow my example. And if I bring correction to you, you're going to take that on board seriously. You can question it and you can push back and you can wrestle. And we can do all of those sorts of things. But there's an expectation is you have something to give to me or you have something to teach me or you have some, some way of, of directing me. So, again, hopefully that's not messed with people. I think, I think we have mixed up um, understandings of authority in Western culture anyway. We don't honor well. We don't respect authority well in general, um, but I think there is a, a biblical form that's good and healthy. The responsibility is always upon those in authority to exercise that well and to be a godly example. If Jesus had all authority and we look to Jesus and say, I would do anything that you say, Jesus. And the reason why I can say, I would do anything that you would call me to do, Jesus, because I know how good you are. <laughs> Because you're the exact imprint of the nature of God. And so if, if anyone here was to say, yeah, I'll, I'll follow some of what Jesus says. It's like, cool, well, you're not under his authority. You're not under his lordship. You're not a Christian or a disciple. So you're really stuck there. And you might need some ministry to, to deal with that. But we all would say, well, I'm a Christian because I'm under the authority of Christ. And if he is my Lord, then whatever he says is what we should be doing. Um, and then... That's, again, what we try and do as a, as a leadership. My job is just to point you to Jesus and say, this is who he calls us to be, me and you, us together. And then we just diligently lean into Holy Spirit to help us to be more like Jesus and to transform in us what is not like Jesus. Said a whole lot of words. Don't know if that answered the question. Awesome. Cool. Beautiful, wonderful questions. Thank you. We are, if you are in Greenhouse, we're going to have a little bit of half an hour of Greenhouse time. If you are visiting outside, not in Greenhouse, you're welcome to hang around, grab another cuppa, stay for a bit, but um, if not, bless you. And uh, yep, next week we're going to pray for you and anoint you. Amen? For, for leadership, for the, for the calling of God on your life. So we'll do that then. Awesome? Yeah, bless you guys.